Hey, what's up? It's episode 68, pain points of wealth and markets are selling off as interest rates are skyrocketing. And the big question is, is inflation going to cool off this market, cool off this economy? Are we going to go into a recession because the Fed is getting too aggressive too late? Well, we're going to break it down for you today. We're going to give you our viewpoint of the economy, the markets, how you should be investing right now. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about financial catastrophes. Are you failing to plan? And are you headed towards the rocks with your financial life? Well, we're going to break it down for you. We've got a great show today. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Oh my goodness, guys, what a difference a year makes. Here we are at 2022 and the market doesn't go up. It goes down every day. You know, what happened to 2021? We had a great year. All we ever had were positive returns one month after another. Hardly any pullback. I don't think we even had a 5% correction last year. Looks like we're headed for one right now. Well, you know what? Actually, I got a call this morning from one of my clients because the Dow was down 500 points. And his big question was, is this the end, Chris? Should we go to cash? To me, that's the most bullish sign I've ever heard. Because the reality of it is when everyone's looking for the big sell-off, everyone's looking for the big correction, that's not usually when you get it. You usually get it when everyone says, you know what, don't ever take me out of the stock market again. I don't want to own a bond. I never want to be in cash. I want more money in stocks. When we start getting that mentality, that's when you know this thing is over. And I suspect here, guys, we kind of knew the Fed was going to get more, as we call, hawkish this year. We kind of knew inflation was going to be a bigger problem than maybe the economists were telling us. These aren't really, really big surprises. And all the while, let's be real this year, right? Growth's still going to be solid in the economy. Unemployment's coming down. Wages are going up. So what am I missing here? The dynamics, for the most part, are pretty much the same as last year. The economy looks pretty good. The problem is the market really hates uncertainty. It can handle good news. It can handle bad news. But it really can't handle no news. And that's the problem the Federal Reserve right now. They're letting everybody else do their dirty work. You know, first they said, well, we weren't going to taper. And then they said, no, yeah, we're going to taper. We're not going to raise interest rates. Oh, now we're going to raise interest rates. We're not going to take any bonds off our balance sheet. Now they're going to do all three at the same time. Now, they haven't told us that. We're hearing that from Goldman Sachs. We're hearing that from other Federal Reserve chairmen who aren't serving on the board right now. They're getting everybody else to kind of drip this stuff out slowly. And the market doesn't like it. So, Bob, what you're telling me here is don't trust the man. Don't trust the Fed. You can't trust what they're going to tell you next. No, it really feels that way, right? I mean, it's you know, again, the Federal Reserve is always behind the eight ball, you know, because they serve too many masters. I mean, you say it's not a political appointee, but basically it is. He's appointed by the president. What could be more political than that? We're Chris told me you should always trust the government. You should always implicitly trust the Fed no matter what. The government always knows what's best for you. You should always look where the person's going to benefit the most. And I think the biggest problem is that people just aren't listening to our podcast. Well, we know the Federal Reserve's not listening. And basically, I'm glad all of you have because we've been warning everyone for a good year now that the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates, that long-duration assets would be hammered by that move. And what's happening right now, guys? Long-term bond funds are taking it on the chin. Cryptocurrency went from 65000 down to 40000 in a blink of an eye. Kathy Wood's famous ARK fund has gone from you know the hottest fund in the market to straight down. He is down 15% this year alone. And Rye, you told everybody that Peloton stock was a fad. You know, It was $150 this time last year. Now it's 30 Wow, what a great call. 
It's a big, yeah, well, look, my crystal ball broke like 20 years ago, so don't count on me getting other moves right. But I think, you know, the important point here is, is inflationary assets, which we've seen historically, what's worked historically when inflation goes up is working again, which goes back to what we talk about in this podcast all the time. You can learn a lot from history. Oil prices are up huge this year. And we know traditionally, oil is an amazing inflation hedge. Commodity prices in general are holding up well this year because, again, we know from history, commodities are an amazing inflation hedge. Old school stocks like Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is actually positive for the year. Meanwhile, tech selling off aggressively, like you said, Bob, Bitcoin, you know, long duration assets like bonds. So you know, history has already told us this was going to happen. We're just reading our economic history books. Nobody else happens to be doing the same thing, apparently. Well, I just don't understand. I watch you know, the financial press all day long because I'm watching to see what's happening in the marketplace. And every commercial is buy gold, put it in your IRA, or buy Bitcoin because these are the two greatest hedges in the history of inflation. My question is, why do you have to advertise for something so much if it's that readily apparent that it's a good thing for inflation? That's a good point, Chris. And that's what did act as an inflation hedge. Well, last year, we had gold down about, what, 4%, while stocks returned anywhere from 20 to 30%. Looks like the traditional hedge for inflation is still the equity or stock market. Well, I think the other mistake too is we look at markets and we make decisions about markets and we look at a 10-year history per se. And people say, well, look at this. This has done well over 10 years. That's not really a long time when it comes to investing. You know, that's maybe a cycle when you're talking about investments. So you know, my argument is when you want to look at how something's done over the past, you want to look at it over like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Like a 10-year period isn't that long. And I don't like to bring up Bitcoin all the time, but you know, that's only has a 10-year history on how that's traded. That's not a very, very long time when you're trying to make an investment decision. In fact, you can't really glean much from that at all, I'd argue. Well, what you are getting right now is volatility. And just like, you know, Chris, you got that call this morning from a client who said, hey, is it over? Should we go to cash? I mean, why would anybody ever go to cash? I mean, the beauty of having a portfolio is that you make money every day, right? You're accruing dividends on your equities. You're accruing interest on your bond portfolio. And all you have to do, again, Rye, is look at history as a guide. Here we are in the second year of the first term of Biden's administration. Guess what happens in the second year of every president's first term? We have a negative first half, or at least it's more volatile than the first year. It's almost as all you have to do is follow the script. You know, these dips are not to be sold. They're to be bought because the second half of the year for the first term of a president is always very positive because the market banks on gridlock. Right. And we're definitely seeing a lot of gridlock because like nothing's gotten passed in the last year, which markets obviously like. And that's actually an interesting point about cash. I had a client who's sitting on a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash. He was saying to me like, hey, you know, I want to get a better rate on this. There's got to be a better money market out there so I can beat inflation. And I was like, I got news for you. There's no money market fund out there that's going to beat inflation. Inflation was 7% the last 12 months. There's not a money market in the country that pays 1%. So, you know, getting to the point to what you just made there, Bob, is like, you've got to have your money working for you. I think that's one of the most important things to think about right now. And the other thing I would mention as well when it comes to the economy, because I think this is a little bit of a misconception and the media loves to skew this. Well, you know, everyone argues last year, well, wages went up. They went up over 4%, which is great to see wages go up. But the argument is inflation went up 7%. But we're not factoring in is people still had over $2 trillion sitting in cash from all the stimulus that they got. So even though they didn't keep up with inflation with their wages, everyone has more money in their bank account. And this year, inflation's probably going to go down and wages are going to continue to go higher. So these are all very, very positive developments. Don't let the media fool you. Hey, right. First of all, inflation impacts people differently, right? Like, thank you, for instance. You never come to the office. You never work. You just collect your paycheck. 
while your brother is always on vacation. Think about how much money he spends, you know, because inflation is having a big impact because of all those airline miles, you know, he's flying. They cost more now. All those beautiful vacation spots he go to, they cost more now. All those races he's in, they cost more now. So inflation is impacting him a lot differently than it is us. Guys, can we speed this up? I got to catch a flight. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. We all feel inflation. It is a problem. But what we can't discount is the American consumer right now and the consumer drives the economy or the American household right now is in a lot better shape than the media would like you to believe. Because the other thing is we've seen people quit jobs in droves because they're feeling very confident they can get a better job. We're going to see unemployment dip even further this year as more people come off of those unemployment benefits, as those rent moratoriums go away, and there's plenty of jobs to be had. In fact, you have one and a half people fighting over jobs, which is like the least amount ever for any job where it was like two people fighting for a job in the best economy back in the day. So I think it's a misconception not to realize that we're going into a big boom economically. Jamie Dimon, CEO, JP Morgan says the best economy he's ever seen, and I think he's right. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Ry. I think we're in a big booming economy. And things have never been better. First of all, we've never been wealthier as a country, right? We have the US household net worth is around 145 trillion from 70 trillion way back in 2008, was just like the other day, if you ask me. Matter of fact, that's when we started paying capital management. I mean, look how much US household wealth has grown. So not only do we have wealthier Americans, we have less debt service. In other words, interest rates, even though they've gone up, like you said, they're skyrocketing, they're still historically very, very low. And everybody's debt level is actually lower now than it's been in history. So it takes a little bit of money to service that debt. It takes less money to service that debt than it did before. So we have wealthier Americans with lots of cash on the sidelines with a big booming economy. And guess what? Prices are going down today on the stock market. That sounds like a sale to me. You know, I think when you go have a sale, it's something that should be bought, not sold. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 68, Pain Points of Wealth. Our subscribership keeps growing every month. We really appreciate the support. If you like our content, love our content, give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Let us know if there's any issues you want us to talk about directly when it comes to the financial markets, your financial life. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click that little like button, click that subscribe button, click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of all our new episodes. The more you give us support, the more we're able to put out episodes every single week of Pain Points of Wealth. Thank you. Give us a like. Give us a five-star rating. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And today we have a very special guest on our show, my colleague, Bob Chris's colleague, certified financial planner of pain capital management, Mr. Aaron Dessen. Aaron, is it wrong to say it's magical to have you on the show today? (laughs) It feels magical. Thank you guys for having me. Well, I think somebody's actually going to finally watch the podcast now that we have Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) He does make us look pretty. Thank you, Aaron. Or the other way around. Actually, you don't make us look pretty (laughs) because you're so much prettier. So guys, what I wanted to talk about today, and since Aaron, you're a financial planner, a certified financial planner at our firm, and we run literally thousands of projections every year for the thousand or so families that we manage, is you know we found a lot of times when someone walks in the door at our firm and wants to get an evaluation when we do our total financial master plan is they did fail to plan. And because they didn't plan, well, a lot of times they're headed toward what I would call financial catastrophe. So I thought we could discuss some of the cases where it's so critical you plan or not you're going to put yourself in a really bad position. Well, here's one of my favorite ones to talk about, guys, and that's inflation. You know, Essentially, when clients don't have enough money to pay their bills in the future because they haven't planned for it or taken enough risk in their investment portfolio. Now, Aaron, this is one that you and I see all the time when we're doing initial plans for prospects. I mean, tell us a little bit about what you see. 
Well, I mean, Chris, we've probably done thousands of these plans. And, you know, I would say the average age of people that we're talking to is maybe between 40 and 60 years old. We're running these out until they're 90 years old. So you're talking about, you know, a couple decades to deal with inflation at its long-term average. You're talking about expenses doubling every 20 years. Uh, it's just something that we see missed and unaccounted for countless times. Yeah, but guys, you I just like cut my expenses when I get older? I mean, that's what we hear all the time, right? I mean, why would you want to? Why would you have to? I mean, the only thing I've learned is Bob's lifestyle gets bigger every decade. So if you're any litmus test, Bob, and we see this with our clients too, you know, clients living big into their, well into their 80s. So you can't factor in you're not going to travel as much, have as much fun. And I think the dangerous thing you plan for is, okay, hey, I'm retired now. I have this much income coming in and these are my expenses. Well, if the expenses are going to keep increasing over time, what you have to ask yourself, is my income going to increase over time? And that's where maybe investments like annuities that pay the same amount every year, year after year, don't keep up with inflation. These are all things you have to solve for because if not, you're going to deplete your portfolio much earlier than you anticipate it. And I can tell you guys, that's a horrible conversation to have. You know, Aaron, you're going to notice on this podcast that Ryan and Chris are very focused on my spending because they say, hey, if you don't spend it, we get to. Aaron, what we're trying to do is translate that word spending to gifting. <laughs> <laughs> you need to keep that legacy alive. That's the only reason we're actually doing this podcast. Hey, guys, you know what the gifting I really can't stand is when you start gifting the IRS your own money, right? You pay the taxes, pay your fair share. But if you don't do good tax planning, you're giving your money to the IRS for no good reason. Well, guys, as our favorite accountant down in Florida, the Godfather says, those required minimum distributions that you have to take at 72 can become financial WMDs because if you don't plan properly, you could end up pushing your tax bracket through the roof. Well, I don't like weapons of mass destruction. That sounds bad. And this always drives me nuts. And Aaron, you probably see this too, is I hate when someone comes in the door and you see all the missed tax planning opportunities over the last couple of years they could have taken advantage of and they ended up paying way more money to the government than they should have. And that's a huge piece of it. I mean, taxes, you know, that's money going out the door. That's just as green as returns or any other cost savings. So there's so many different nuances and approaches that you can take. And people don't know because they don't talk to any professionals and really sit down with anyone to dive into the details. Well, what was the best tax strategy that you implemented for one of your clients at the end of the year? I'm curious. Well, we definitely want to look at tax loss harvesting. That's a big saver. And Roth conversions have really been a huge impact for people between retirement and that RMD or that WMD age. Well, another one, guys, is also if you've got securities without cost basis or even securities with high capital gains, you can actually, when you make charitable donations, you can actually donate equal amount of securities versus using cash. And that solves two problems. One, you know, you don't have to go through the trouble of finding your cost basis. And two, it saves you on capital gains. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things you can do from a tax perspective. And this is something you want to get on now because look, they didn't pass any tax reform last year, Bob, but I'm cynical here. I still think somewhere, some way, taxes are going higher. They've got to pay for all this stimulus that they bestowed upon the economy. I don't think we're getting out of this thing for free. Right. You're always deceiving yourself. You know, the politicians think it's their money, not yours. Just remember that. So the other issue that we see is trying to figure out the right time to be financially independent, right? And this is really a little bit of art and science because you have to factor in, we talked about inflation, taxes. And we found this many times where people maybe retired too early and realized sometime within retirement that they've got to go back to work because their portfolio is just not going to make it all the way through. Like Aaron, you were saying, I mean, sometimes you retire for like 30, 40 years, depending on how early you retire. Like that's a lot of money that has to be generated. Yeah, exactly. And then the first thing we ask that prospective client is send us a copy of your financial plan. Send us a copy of your wealth projections. Let us sign on to your e-money portal so we can see what the potential shortfalls are in your plan. 
And the answer every single time is, I've never had that done. You know, I've never had a projection done. I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, it's amazing to me how most of the advisors out there are just winging it, building portfolios, set it, forget it, and good luck. You're on your own. You know, the planning piece of this whole thing is so important. And it amazes me every time, like you said, Bob, when we meet with someone that doesn't have that in place. And it's really terrible. It's awful. I never want to give somebody the news that they can't retire when they want to. But I think it's much better having a plan in place and figuring out what you need to do as opposed to getting to, you know, 75 and now you have to start looking for a job. Well, you know what, Aaron, you and I actually did a great plan for a couple, you know, when they first came to us, they really weren't going to make it in retirement. And you and I just gave them a couple quick, simple steps of what they need to do, what they need to save every year. And now they're within three, four years of retirement and they're ready to go. Chris, I remember the first plan we did and Ryan said, well, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough income. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to start diving into ponds down in Florida, retrieve golf balls and sell them on a roadside stand to supplement your lack of financial income. Actually, we didn't get that person as a client, right? So that wasn't a good solution. Well, better than a Walmart greeter, maybe. I don't know. More exciting work. That client now runs Titleist. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other big one, Bob, and I mean, you have a great story about this, is taking too much risk in retirement, then bam, when you're financially independent, and then the market sells off heavily. And then all of a sudden, you have to go back to work. Now, this is something we've seen more often than not. And with the market going up and up and up, it's a perfect time to look at your risk, Bob. And I remember you had a client like this that had to go back to work after the tech bubble burst because they got greedy and they got way too aggressive. You know, Rye, we did. We actually had a client who fired us for doing such a good job of planning that they had 60% of their portfolio and 7% coupon municipal bonds and the rest diversified equity portfolio. But when they had dinner with their cousin, their cousin ended up making more money than they did They got green eyes and got jealous and said, hey, you guys obviously don't know what you're doing. Fired us, transferred it all to a growth fund shop, put 100% into high growth tech funds. Now, it was the Janus funds and they said, oh no, Bob, we're diversified. We own six different funds. Well, turned out all those funds invested in the same stocks and then ended up losing 65% of their net worth in a period of eight months and then begged us to come back. And we did take them back, but they had to work until their 80s. Yeah. And that's that's your real story. And you see that now too. I mean, if you look at like the NASDAQ, six stocks are 40% of the NASDAQ right now. So if you own the NASDAQ index, which is 2,500 stocks, 40% of it's only six stocks. So if those six stocks do poorly, you're totally screwed. So I think it's so important right now that you look at risk, you manage risk. And guys, I know Chris and Aaron, you guys probably look at more portfolios a month than anybody. And I mean, that's probably what you see more than often than not is just People don't realize, most of us don't realize how much risk we're actually taking. You know what, guys? Aaron and I probably look at something like 40 different portfolios a month. And the one thing that's glaring is that everybody is heavily weighted in big tech and they always brag, like, look how well I'm doing. It's kind of like, look at this really great shirt I have on, but they're not wearing any pants. That's a pretty bad visual. Aaron's shocked. He's never going to come on the show again. Hey, thank God for Zoom meetings. You know, we all just focus on on that t-shirt. I'm convinced. Yeah, Aaron right now in like a pair of Hawaiian shorts or something like that. (laughs) So bottom line is, I think more than ever right now, you've got to make sure you're managing risk. But the other part of it too, is one of the other big issues you're going to have as you become financially independent and you get further into retirement is healthcare cost. And we've seen this happen many times in the past where the nursing home took all the money so that someone couldn't leave a legacy to their kids you know, or to their loved ones because they didn't account for the fact that healthcare costs are going to be huge in retirement. And it's something else that's got to be factored in your plan. In my experience, most financial firms don't run those numbers. And it's, it's a reality now, especially if we're living long, we're going to have more healthcare issues. Well, what it comes down to, guys, is simply this. You have to invest with the end in mind. And investing is not about buying low, selling high, or relative performance. It's about achieving your financial goals, specifically the one 
having a lifetime of income you can't outlive. So we're going to continue to run the A to B strategy, get you from point A to point B, net of inflation, net of taxation with the highest odds of success. That to me is a winning formula. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. But if you saved over $750,000 for your financial independence plan and you want a more hands-on approach or a second opinion, every single week we have a few slots where we will run our total financial master plan at no obligation or cost. All you need to do is apply. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. We literally look at everything. There's no other firm out there. We'll do this work up front. We'll go through every investment that you own. We'll break down all the fees you're paying, how to minimize those fees. We'll show you where you're getting screwed from a tax perspective. We'll show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. And we're going to do a full income and expense analysis to see what you're spending every year, what you should be spending, what you should be saving and a full income plan to make sure you don't run out of money when you're financially independent. It's a full review, our total financial master plan. There's nothing like it out there. We do a limited amount every single week. If you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, all you need to do is simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. We've got the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, a precious jewel that is literally from another world is being auctioned off next month. The Enigma, a 555 carat black diamond, which has never been sold or publicly displayed and is believed to be from outer space, will open for bids at Sotheby's London from February 3rd to the 9th. The rock from space is still cheaper and actually going there. Enigma is expected to fetch at least $6.8 million compared to $28 million for a winning bid to be on the Blue Origin space flight last year. It's a bargain. Well, you know, it's a bargain's are in the eye of the beholder, right? First of all, I would never buy a diamond just for an investment purpose because first, it pays no dividend. You have to store it. People can steal it. You don't know if it's real to begin with. I mean, from outer space, for crying out loud, I could take that same $6.8 million put it into municipal bonds right now, generate a quarter million dollars a year. I don't have to fly on Enigma. I can fly on any airline I want with a quarter million dollars of tax-free income. So you know what? I'm not bidding on the Enigma. I don't care about the Enigma. I love income-generating investments. That's what I love, and that's what you should be loving too. Forget about these diamonds from outer space. I disagree. I think it'd be pretty cool to have something from outer space. Just saying. It could have been a good Bowie album, The Diamonds from Mars. There you go. Chris, Charlie D. Emilio who started posting videos of herself dancing on TikTok in 2019, brought in $17.5 million last year, according to Forbes, which recently ranked her as the highest earning TikTok star of 2021. With 133 million followers, that's like half the US population on TikTok, she makes her money from a clothing line and promoting products in TikTok videos and other ads. By comparison, Median pay for chief executives of S&P 500 companies in 2020 was $13.4 million. Better start working on your dance moves, Chris. Well, Ry, I bet you Jamie Dimon, if he got up on TikTok and started dancing, he probably could really increase his compensation. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. That's incredible, though. And I've seen some of those videos. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe what a trend TikTok is right now. And China's watching you. But that's another story altogether. Bob, the global value of equities is $121 trillion. The U.S. represents $53 trillion, 
or 43% of all equities worldwide. And the biggest six or so US stocks account for 12 trillion. Amazing. You know, when you have six companies, six publicly traded companies that account for 12 trillion, the 121 trillion of all the global stocks that are traded, there's 10,000 companies publicly traded. So when you think about that, either these stocks are way overvalued or there's phenomenal opportunity in the rest of the globe. I'm going to go with opportunity in the rest of the globe. Just saying. Chris, number three, $584 million was Guns N' Roses, not in this lifetime tour, which went from 2016 to 2019. I guess everyone wants to see those guys unite. Axel, Slash. Number two was $763 million was U2's 360 tour from 2009 to 2011. And the number one grossing tour of all time was Ed Sheeran grossing $776 million for his, it's just the divisible sign tour from 2017 to 2019. Who knew Ed Sheeran was so popular? Well, Ryan, you know what have trumped all of these would be your Ukrainian tour back in 2011 with the Georgian band, Asiya Soul. I think we definitely grossed at least 1,000 zlotties, which is probably about $100 in US terms. So <laughs> not quite there yet. At least it wasn't Bruce Springsteen. That would have made me sad. Well, another great show. Thanks for tuning in to episode 68, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, give us that five-star ratings on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Give us the like button. Hit that like button on YouTube. Click that notification bell to be updated every week of our new shows. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music